Welcome to iHope. We're here to bring encouragement and comfort from the Bible so that you can have a more hope-filled life. We are so glad you joined us here today, and we invite you to embark on this journey of discovery of the power of God's Word and how it can shape our lives each day. So listen in and join us as we explore how the Bible can provide hope and direction in our lives. Hey, welcome back to I Hope Podcast. Uh, my name is Pastor Ryan Fashana. I'm joined with uh, Pastor Charlie Schaefer. Hey, guys. And we are going to be diving into the book of Acts and just excited about seeing um, just, just hope in the New Testament and the start of the church and, and how God has uh, empowered, He has equipped, and uh, for the believers, the apostles, for the church uh, to go out and share hope. And before we jump into the book of Acts, we're probably going to, we're going to start in um, Matthew uh, 28. And as we, we, we jump in there, we see uh, some very familiar passages of the Great Commission. And uh, it says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And as we look at this passage, it's, it's right before... Uh, Jesus is is going to ascend into heaven, and and uh, he he's empowering. He is saying, "Hey, I got a plan for you. I have a, a purpose for you. You need to go out and share the hope, the gospel, and teach them about me. Um, all that you have learned to go out into uh, and and basically put put them out there into the world." And uh, from this point on, the apostles have been experiencing. Uh, Jesus Christ, they have been seeing all of his teachings, all his miracles, everything up to this point, and now they've been poured into, and now God's saying, go out and pour out. Mm -hmm. And as we look into Acts chapter 1, he again emphasizes that in Acts chapter 1. I think, Charlie, you have that passage. Yeah, so in Acts 1, 8, Jesus is talking to the disciples. He says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in, and by the way, notice this progression, both in Jerusalem, which is where they were, and in all Judea, which is southern Israel, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Yeah, and, and again, so it's almost a repeat. Hey, you remember I said, go ye into all the world and teach the gospel? I'm saying the same exact thing. I'm getting a little more specific. You're going to have the Holy, the Holy Ghost to give you the power, but now you're going to spread out from where you're at all the way out to the uttermost parts of the earth. Um, I love during this this account, uh, following the verses, they have uh, the Bible mentions two two men. They say they dressed in white. I think we can come to conclusions that uh, that the possibly angels or something mm-hmm. like that. And the uh, apostles are just staring up in the sky, maybe with their jaws <laughs> down, maybe they're looking at each other like, now what? And these two, uh, I'm, I'm just going to say angels are, are looking over at them and saying, what are you guys doing? Like, what are you guys doing? I, I have that, that experience as a youth pastor when I'm looking at uh, teenagers doing some wacky things like, uh, you know, drinking two Red Bulls with all kinds of sugar, and they're thinking that they're going <laughs> to go to sleep at camp. Um, I look at them, shake my head, like, what are you guys doing? Because ultimately, the, these angels are saying, didn't you just, don't you know what you're supposed to do? Didn't you just hear what he said? Go ye out. And now you're just left staring at heaven as if something's going to change. Um, I, I just find that so humorous that that uh, those men were just shaking their head at them. But it, they then decide in Acts chapter two, we see that they do fulfill that commission. They they start going out, and uh, maybe you can refresh our memory with it with, with the day of Pentecost. 
Yeah, so Pentecost is, Penta refers to five, and so it's 50 days away from Passover. Remember, Jesus was on earth for 40 days and 40 nights. So after he rose again, so that Sunday, mm-hmm. add 40, now we got about 10 days left, so a week and a half away from when Jesus rose again, uh, which we just looked at in Acts 1.8. And so now they're on the day of Pentecost. A week and a half has elapsed, nothing's happened. They're just in the upper room, the same upper room where Jesus ate the Passover, that last supper with the disciples 50 days before now. And 120 people are gathered upstairs in this room, and there's this huge sound of wind, this roaring wind, mighty rushing wind, the Bible calls it. Mm -hmm. And then there is these cloven tongues of fire, which is a fancy term for like, it looks like fingers of fire above Mm -hmm. their heads. And... What this symbolizes is the coming of the Holy Spirit on their lives. And so now these men, these women who are gathered together, who before had experienced God's presence in the physical embodiment of Jesus, have now gone a week and a half without God's direct presence. Now that changes. And in the Old Testament, God would use the Holy Spirit in one person or maybe a few people at a time. Mm -hmm. I think of David. He said, remove not your spirit from me. That's not because he would be unsaved. It's just because God's blessing of the Holy Spirit, the power that would come through the Holy Spirit would be gone. And so the ability to write scripture, those Psalms that he wrote, he couldn't do that anymore if God's spirit was removed from him. And so he was begging God, be merciful. Don't remove your spirit, even though I'm unclean. Uh, we see Samson. He did miraculous things through the power of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. And then whenever the Spirit was gone from him, whenever he cut his hair, God chose to remove that presence in that Spirit, and so his power was gone until, of course, his final act, and he pushed the pillars down. The difference in the Old Testament and the New Testament is God doesn't work in just one person now. Mm-hmm. We're just one people group. Instead, God works through all Christians, everyone that he's saved. And this moment of Pentecost, when those those fire tongues came and when the rushing wind came through, that was the moment when Christianity became a blaze because what happened was they left out of there at nine o'clock and at three in the afternoon, they had services at the temple and those would be the special Pentecost services. And at three or nine in the morning, Peter went and he preached his great sermon on Solomon's porch, which fills up most of Acts chapter two. And that's where you can see he talks about the gospel and he talks about how all the history leading up to it happens. And then in that moment, boom, like 3,000 people got saved. Wow. Yeah. And then later on, they went about three in the afternoon. And remember Peter and John, they were walking up and they were going to preach another sermon. They were like, man, this is awesome. So they start preaching. That's when they walk up to the temple gates and there's the beggar and he says, uh, do you have alms for the poor? And he says, I don't have silver, I don't have gold, but what I do, I'm going to give you. He says, rise up and walk. And um, I think that's just the momentous outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens in that moment. Yeah, from just staring up to the sky to getting the confirmation of, of what God gave them, the Holy Spirit, to be empowered to go out and now experiencing 3,000. Uh, people getting saved and it's incredible i think now they're at the point where like well what are we going to do like this is this is (laughs) this is exciting like like god's working god's moving and but it all it all stemmed from them doing and obeying what christ called them to do yeah and i think it's that that's where it all went if they did not go and teach and go and preach and go into their own cities and go into judea and eventually where we're going to see like paul go out into the uttermost Mm -hmm. 
then they went to seeing God work in a mighty way. And uh, we see this is where the start of the church. They start looking. We have 3,000 now. They're looking at us as leaders. How are we going to organize this? How are, how, how are we going to make this work? How are, we, how are we going to make this function and continue to do what God has called us to do? And uh, as we look at, the, at, at this, um, the steps of going out and, and doing and making disciples, we look at it and ask the question, is the church today, as far as the, the church context that we we uh, know and are involved in, the American Americanized church, are we following the steps that the disciples did in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, um, by going and in, in, in being disciple makers and going out and sharing the gospel and following the command of the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And that's something I would love to explore as we look at uh, what is what is a church that looks like Acts chapter 2? Yeah, so I think the question is, are we Americanizing the church? What does the modern church look like? Yeah. And so if we define those terms, um, we've talked several times about how the American church or the modern church is consumeristic. Yes. Yeah. I think if we define the term of the modern church being consumeristic, what does that mean? It means that we want what we can get. We come to church and church is really commoditized. That means that you compare one church with another church mm -hmm. and you pick which one you like best. Not that you go to the one necessarily that's the most faithful to the gospel, yeah. not the one that teaches the truest doctrine, but instead the one that has the best music or the, the best serve, kids program. serves me. Yeah. 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 So which serves me? Which can I serve in best? Some people look at it from that aspect too, because they know that they're talented. Mm -hmm. They know that they can sing. So which church doesn't have the talent so I can go be the best singer? Mm, yeah. Things like that. And so they look from a perspective that is human when instead the perspective of church is very much godly. Which church is God most pleased with? Because that's where I want to be. Yeah. And we we fall into that that consumerism idea because it's it's in our American culture. You know, we, we can yeah. we can look at the American dream. The American dream is having the the white picket fence, having the house and the dog and the married and two kids and everything's all perfect. And a lot of that is just what can I get? Like if I don't have the house, am I really successful? Am I really uh, is is it is it pleasing me? And a lot of times a church can feed into that of, well, we need to create a church that people are filled, but not filled with, um, with to be, to go out and be empowered to, to, to share the gospel. But it's more of like, how can we get them in? And, uh, and people have that wrong mentality. What do you think is the process that people go through in their minds when they're church hunting? Honestly, it's, um, I think friendliness, like, I think that's the, that's the, that's the top, but then after they break that that barrier, it's more of like, do I like their music? How is the preaching? Um, yeah. Do I like the style of preaching? Do I like, can I wear what I want to wear when I walk into the church? Um, what kind of programs do they have? Um, how's our coffee? <laughs> you know? Amen. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and those are, those, I think those are all great questions, or great answers and great things to look at for a church. For sure. But is that the sole purpose of a church? And then as church leaders, oftentimes we get into, we kind of can make that the sole purpose of a church. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to make sure we have all the programs. We need to make sure that we have um, everything in order and ship shape for people to want to be here. But um, I think we can get off balance. 
And what, what, is, what should a church be? We should be following the Great Commission, sending out, going, and doing, and not just coming to church to be filled, but to go to the church to be filled and to go out, not to be served, but to go out and serve. Yeah. And uh, I think we, a lot of times we can get that off balance. Never once do you see in the New Testament God's qualification for a good church to attend being the music. Mm-hmm. Although churches should do music a certain way. Never once does it say a preacher who can hold your attention. Although preachers should grow in their skill. What you see is a church that teaches the gospel and that does it faithfully. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think the church... You, using like a, a practical illustration is a church should not be like a uh, Disney world. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe a church should probably be more like an aircraft carrier where they are coming, being filled and then sent out to accomplish God's work. That's such a good um, illustration. And, and if you actually dive into that a little deeper, you know, Disney world, we, when you look at it, it does do things well. It does do things fantastic. Um, people have great experiences there, but it's all about what they get out of it. But when you go into an aircraft carrier, it's going well. It's doing great. Um, it's being ran with excellence, but it's all for the purpose to send out and yeah. accomplish a goal. And that's what Christ has called the church to be, a, a place that that does things well, does things with excellence, but it's not for people to be selfishly filled and to hold it themselves, but to go out for the gospel. Yeah, I think of sometimes the the programming of church being the focus, um, and not even in a bad way. Like, can we reach people better with the gospel? And sometimes it's not doing it better. Sometimes it's just doing it faithfully. Yeah. And I think sometimes, like, we get into this world of, well, if it didn't work, then people don't like it. And so even on the leadership side, we sometimes make decisions based on what do people want versus what does the gospel command. And like if we're going out into all the world and making disciples and teaching them the things that God taught, that Jesus taught, and then showing them how to live a life that is full of the gospel and that reflects Jesus and that um, lives in unity with other Christian Christians and reflects God's holiness and communicates God's love. How can we do that if we're not doing it faithfully? If we're just doing it in ways that people immediately bite on, then we're not really doing it the way that the Bible says. Yeah, because you see that a a church is a faithful entity. Mm-hmm. It's not a one time sticky honey trap for unsaved people. I think if we get in the world of where everything's programmed and um, systematized and where your worship becomes rote and where even if it is done excellently in a way that moves emotions, okay. But why? Why are the systems in place? Mm-hmm. Why as Christians do we walk into a church and, and base our continuing attendance, our faithful attendance off of what we see in the church and what we want in the church, not based off of how God sees the church? Yeah, definitely. And I, I don't think we're sitting here um, trying to uh, say what kind of methods and, and, and there's, there's all kinds of different styles of churches and different methods and different, sure. and different ways to do things well. And not every church should be a cookie cutter. God has given us the Christian liberty to do things differently. Absolutely. But I think it all boils down to what is your why? And you mentioned that. And if is your why 
to to share the gospel and, and to fulfill the Great Commission, praise the Lord. But if it is your why to draw and to keep and not be disciple makers, I think there's that's there's a there's a a, a need to reevaluate and say, hey, I want to we let's make a biblical church. Mm-hmm. Um, and we could talk about whether you are a Sunday school teacher, whether you are a church member, attendee, uh, singing the choir, or whether you are church leadership uh, and, and running a church, we all have to answer that question, why? Uh, why do we do what we do? And why are we, how are we going to do it? And uh, I know as a, a leader of my own ministry as a youth pastor, and also with Charlie doing a church planner, we had to evaluate our ministries uh, weekly, monthly, um, <laughs> daily of yeah. what, why are we doing what we are doing um, and how are we doing it? And it's so easy to fall into that trap of, um, of consumerism that we do things to draw people for the wrong reason or to to appease or have the uh, almost a selfish mentality with Christianity. But we need to check ourselves and say, you know what? We need to go t- we need to keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's the gospel. Yeah. Um you know, do we want people to be comfortable in church? Yes, of course. We want them to have a a a, a great experience of worship and and to feel welcome and, and different things like that. But what's our why? So that they come and are filled and they are equipped and then they're sent out. Yeah, and and um, every church is, is going to it's going to look different, but our why should always be the same. Our why should always be the same. Um, so whether you're listening, um, uh, whether you're listening in, in wherever part of ministry you are, or you're looking at your church, or you are faithfully attending church, um, I want to encourage you to to ask that question, not just about your church, but yourself. What is your why? Why do you go to church? Is it just to be filled? Or it's be, or, or just for for um, because it feels good or whatever whatever your reason is, or is your why I want to be filled so I can pour out? I want to pour out. Um, I think you you mentioned a, a, a Wearsby quote when we were talking earlier. Um, uh, maybe you can mention preach that. from the overflow. He said, yeah. and in the Christian perspective, like the average person who's not a pastor, um, he said, you can serve from the overflow. Yeah. But how can you be overflowing if you're not filled in the first place? And I think that does come down to why are you going to church? Um, to be filled up, mm-hmm. I think, is a good reason and is a biblical reason. We sing. Uh, remember, Paul talks about singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Mm-hmm. I think the word for spiritual songs deals with like talking back and forth with one another. Yeah. And so I think sometimes we we use like the term audience of one. Like when you're singing in church, if you were to sing a special, then just sing for the Lord. And that is true. You are, at the end of the day, singing ultimately mm-hmm. for Him. But you're also singing to other Christians yeah. to encourage them. The context to, was edification. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so you can't build up other people if you're not acknowledging that there are other people. You can't be filled up as a Christian if you're not acknowledging that you are a human who needs to be there to be filled up because you are, in some senses, not perfect. Mm-hmm. And so as imperfect humans, we need God's blessing. We yeah. need to be filled up. And the best place to do that, honestly, is wherever you can get with God's word, wherever mm-hmm. you can learn doctrine, wherever you can sing to him and worship him. Um, a lot of times that is church. Mm-hmm. I do think spiritual, personal worship precedes corporate worship. Mm-hmm. So you as an individual, 
if you're not already, need to be worshiping. That means studying God's word, learning more about him, singing to him, singing about him, talking about him as a human, just as a person, an individual. And then whenever you get along with other churchgoers and in your local church, you need to be doing that with them too. And what that does is it fills your heart, it fills their hearts, and then it becomes symbiotic. You want to work together and you grow each other, you get stronger together, and then now you are filled up. Your heart is full. And I can't tell you how many times I've been with churches that are depleting, but equally, I've been with so many churches that are just filling. And when you're with them, they're so full of the joy of the Lord, and that is their strength. It's not their faithfulness. It's not their stick to itiveness. It's not their American strong work ethic. Mm-hmm. It's not their, I will be in church because that's what we do. It is the joy of the Lord that strengthens yeah. them. And when they're filled with that, then they can go out and do superhuman things. They can have effective outreach and they can show the rest of the world in their Jerusalem, maybe in their, where they live, their local area, their Judea, the area outside of where they live. For instance, um, we're sitting in Denham Springs. This would be our Jerusalem. Judea for us would be in a place like Hammond, where I'm planting yeah. a church. And honestly, that's the verse that God used to call me into church planting, by the way. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I haven't shared that's that awesome. a lot. And so um, that's our Judea. But then there's also the Samaria, the rest of maybe the United States, and then there's the rest of the world. But it can't happen if we aren't spending time on our own getting filled. Yeah, and we look at the the passage is they didn't go, they didn't they didn't have the Pentecost experience until they had the Holy Spirit. Mm. And, the, and, and and so we, a lot of times as Christians, we are trying to pursue these, we want to see the world change, yes. but we're forgetting the filling. But the why of the filling? So that I can go, that I can go out. Not so that I feel good, not that I have this, this emotional, awesome, I left church, I feel good, I'm going to post it on Instagram moment. It's, I'm almost like I'm getting ready to go out to battle or I'm going out to, to, to pour out to, to other people. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where as, as, as an individual as ask your, ask your why and always check that, uh, look into the, 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 the mirror of God's word and, and, and say, why am I going to church and, and what is my purpose? And, and I hope that as you answer those questions, you'll, you'll come to conclusions that yeah, your church is fulfilling that goal. Or maybe you say, "Hey, I need to to stop having more of a, a consumeristic idea of church and and have more of the uh, that the Church of Acts or or uh, that mentality of of there's a bigger purpose. I have hope. I'm saved. I have hope in in, in Christ, and and my job is to share that hope with others. And how do I do that? I want to be filled so I can pour out. And yeah. um, I'm excited about uh, what we're going to be learning through the Book of Acts. And I hope you're encouraged today as we talk about the purpose of the church. Um, let's pray daily that we keep our focus and keep the main thing the main thing. It's so easy to be fallen into the culture of consumerism, but God has not called us to to just consume. He's called us to pour out and to share the gospel. And look what happened in the book of Acts. They, they went out and started just being faithful and obedience. They went out and obeyed. I'm going to go. And I, I, I ask the question to you, what would God, what would you see God do in your life if you made the decision to obey? Hmm. And, and in my life, if I just simply obeyed God's leading and took the faith steps that he had for me, what can I experience? I would love to see a Pentecost in my life. For sure. I would love to see Denham Springs just have a revival. I'd love to see America have a revival. 
But like uh, Charlie was saying, it starts with us individually as the believers, as the church of Christ. And so I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're challenged. And uh, also, I hope that you will join us next week as we continue to look uh, through the book of Acts as we see the church's role in sharing the hope of God to this world. We'll see you next week. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you've been encouraged by I Hope, why not share it with a friend or leave us a review? Until next week, God bless.